This is Learn Right Radio, your podcast for clinical practice, clinician experiences, and being a clinician in the workplace. I'm your host, Sarah Thistle. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Learn Right Radio. First, just happy holidays to every single one of you who is tuning in to listen. Uh, Hope you guys are staying safe and you're enjoying um, family, any traditions you have, um, and just spending that time with people that you want to spend time with. So, uh, but I digress. We are at the final episode of the season, closing out season two and 2022, with an episode on slips, trips, and falls with Kara Johnson and Kayla Ward. Kara Johnson is currently a traveling physical therapist, uh, however, she spent much of her time working in the industrial setting as a physical therapist. And Kayla Ward is currently an industrial clinician and an athletic trainer. So these two dive into slips, trips, and falls, what that looks like in the industrial setting, and um, how we can work to reduce same-level falls. Uh, The course that they are referring to is available on learnrightuniversity.com, so if you're curious, you can go check that out. Uh, But otherwise, I hope you guys just enjoy the episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in, not only to this episode, but all year long if you have. Um, And we're really excited for what's to come in 2023. So hope you guys enjoy the episode and we'll catch you next year. I'm Kara Johnson, your host, and I am here with Kayla Ward to discuss the prevention of slips, trips, and falls in the workplace. How are you doing, Kayla? Doing pretty well. Thank you for having me on. You are most welcome. You were the first one that came to mind in who to interview for this podcast because I remembered your history of working in a neuro setting um, in an outpatient clinic prior to coming to the industrial world. So go ahead and just give a brief introduction into yourself, some of your history, um, where you worked before, kind of what brought you into the industrial setting and um, anything else you want to talk about. All right. So I'm Kayla. I'm an athletic trainer. Um, I have worked with Workright um, part, at least part-time for the last four years. And prior to coming on full-time with Workright, I worked in an outpatient clinic um, at OHSU and mainly focused on the neuro, the neuro side of things. So I've had a a pretty wide range of experience that most athletic trainers don't get to uh, experience. So um, I'm happy to be here and kind of relay some information to you. Cool. So in the neuro setting, were you working with majority elderly patients? Um, It was kind of a mixed setting. So uh, along with um, elderly patients. I was also working with a lot of concussions or post-concussive syndrome, which also falls right into uh, being at risk for falls. Yeah, so I have not had much experience at all working with concussion or post-concussive syndrome. I can definitely understand that there's some overlap there. What were some of the main fall risk assessments that you used when you were working in the outpatient setting? Because I know that there were some really popular ones that were out there and around and still are, kind of depending on like the clinic and the type of patients you were seeing is probably would direct which ones you would use. So what were the ones that you were most familiar with? 
On the previous webinar, you had talked about the the timed up and go. Um, we use that quite a bit. Um, the 30-second chair stands, um, which I would say that we mainly used in the, the elderly population and kind of was able to track their progress a lot better, specifically with that one. Um, and then also the four-stage balance test. And I would say the tug we mainly used with more of like the Parkinson's type patient um, or MS to try to really gauge how they were able to move their body and trying to get away from that that cross step that a lot of people use to try to recover from balance um, because with Parkinson's that'll just lead to a fall. Um, They're not able to recover very well. That was the main one that we would use in that type of patient. Um, and then more of the, the standard best test for concussion and post-concussion. Oh, right. Okay. I do remember that one. I think I was the same in that I used the tug in outpatient setting a bit more because we had it set up. So there was already the, the chair with the, the tape line. And all you had to do is go put your cone out there. It was nice to use, like you said, in more of a qualitative way to watch how they move, but it is a really well-validated test as well to see pre and post performance after a stent of rehab. So I I agree the tug was a one I utilized quite a bit. Uh, and then I would use just the four-stage test, not so much as a test, but more as a training skill, you know, just to teach them to work from a wider base of support to a more narrow one, uh, and then bring in eyes closed to challenge it a little bit more. So just to teach that progression, it's a good, simple progression, but uh, it can also be used as a risk assessment tool, which we got into a bit with this podcast. So to transition a little bit, I wanted to talk a bit about, you know, why we are focusing on slip, trip, and fall risk, because it is the second most common injury that we see in the workplace, but we don't really talk about it a whole lot as a, a trend that we track very often. We really preach about MSDs in industrial injury prevention, because that's the most prevalent type of injury, and it seems to elude the safety professionals a little bit more. It's, it certainly aligns best with our expertise as clinicians. So I've personally fallen into this trap of thinking that slip strips and falls in the industrial workplace just isn't really my territory other than helping to identify hazards when I'm walking around on the floor or maybe talk about somebody about working in a food plant, you know, about to be aware of slippery surfaces. But I guess what's your take on this? Have you had any specific initiatives around slip trip and fall prevention or are you primarily MSD focused? So I am just trying to dive into uh, creating an initiative. So I've been using Kinetisense. Um, so it's a 3D, basically, um, I'm able to look at their, their biomechanics throughout functional movements. And so there is a portion of that test that we're actually testing balance. Not a lot of people know that they um, have a balance problem until they get one of their senses taken away. So as soon as we have them close their eyes, they struggle to stay on one foot. And it's 
it's really educational after they're done. They're like, why did I struggle so much with that? I had no idea. And I, I think that it is not widely known. And if you were just talking to people out on the floor, they, they might not think that they have this problem until it's actually assessed. And it's clearly uh, shown through their inability to maintain the one-footed posture that they that they could struggle with this. And I take it back to you had talked about having to hold something in their hands. Well, if they're holding something in their hands, they might not be able to see their feet. We need to be able to train them to not rely on their eyes to visually see their feet to maintain, maintain balance. We need to be able to uh, allow them to trust where their feet are and have their, butt, their body and their brain know exactly where it is. Right. Yeah. So training essentially proprioception, but also training your all of your senses to be a little bit more conditioned and not overly reliant on, like you said, vision. Whereas some people might be overly reliant on, you know, the sensation that they get in their feet or some other condition. That's a that's a good point because not just with carrying loads does it throw off your center of mass, but it does shift your attention as to what you're doing. So I imagine if you're carrying a load from one point to another, you're probably looking out ahead of you or looking to the point where you need to go. But if it's a pathway that you walk all the time, you're not thinking about potential that you might fall. Um, but exactly. that one time that there's a hose in the way or the floor is a little slipperier than it normally is and, you know, or maybe someone kind of bumps into you, uh, that could throw you off quite a bit. You know, a lot of what we're talking about, too, is trying to train those recovery strategies so that a slip or in the occupational setting, what they'll call is a near miss where somebody slipped, but there was no first aid, no real intervention needed, but it was reported because it was a potential hazard, is how do we turn that that slip into just a, a slip and a near miss and not let it escalate into a bruised knee or worse, a broken wrist. And if we do that, you know, can we really make an impact in reducing injuries related to falls in the industrial setting? I think yeah. it's, I mean, I, yeah, I'd like your take on it. I think it's worthy of trying, but we don't really have a lot of research on that specifically. Yeah, and I think it's something that we can address. If we think about the people that we're seeing in an outpatient clinic, well, they all have to work somewhere, right? right. Like, those, <laughs> those people are not just exclusive people to the outpatient clinic. They actually have to work somewhere. So they're they're in our manufacturing facilities. They're, they're in all types of settings. So we need to address the whole person and not just the MSDs that you're talking about. Um, being able to help with their fall recovery because yes we can we can pay attention and try to make sure that there's no hazards in the way however if if you just happen to trip you need to be able to bring that leg out in front of you or behind you or wherever you need it to be and have trust that you're going to be able to catch yourself and that i think that that is something that we can control to a certain extent through strengthening and training you know those muscles and nerves to react in that way I agree. And one of my biggest questions in looking into the research on this, really digging into what's out there for prevention in the workplace, and it's it's really sparse 
uh, when it comes to prevention, like what we see in the elderly population, where we see, I mean, I, I saw one article refer to it, uh, falls in the elderly as the epidemic of the decade. <laughs> um, but it's so true, like it's, it's one of those things that research has shown over and over and over again to be effective and protective against falls and injuries from falls is by balanced training and strength training in an older adult population. Now we study older adults because that's where we see the increase in falls. But we have a lot of data on falls in the working population, but they just don't make that correlation or that parallel to the community-based older adult population. And I think we need to start talking about it because our population is getting older and that trend's not going to slow down. It's actually going to pick up. While I think doing some research in this topic is probably challenging, it would look a little bit different. Uh, there was some attempt to do it from, um, you know, in Japan with the um, kind of like the Japanese equivalent of OSHA. And they did develop a risk assessment that we talked about in the webinar. But honestly, I really think that when we look at that compared to the study tool, which is really commonly used in the healthcare setting, is they find the same risk factor, which is a previous history of a fall, and more specifically, a more recent history of a fall, like within the last year. So if we just ask people, you know, maybe anyone over the age of 55 in the workplace that comes to see us voluntarily, have you fallen in the last year? And if they answer yes, then we go on to the next phase of like, okay, well, let's assess your balance. And if they say no, then we just track that, that we asked and, you know, maybe we ask them again at, you know, another follow-up a year later, but we start <laughs> documenting that too. I think that's where we can make a huge dent in healthcare. If we're educating the generation prior to the aging adult, um, that is going to happen in like 10 years. If we get to them a little bit sooner and able to talk about fall risk, talk about, okay, if you do fall, well, let's train that. Let's not be scared that you're going to fall again because that does not help your balance at all. We can actually train your balance and help improve it. And if that education piece is put forward at a younger age, well, then they're going to have that education and that knowledge to know, okay, if I do happen to fall, this is what I can do about it. And it's not just avoid avoid any balance activity because that's not going to help them. Um, so if you teach that in a younger generation, not getting to that point and spending a whole bunch of healthcare dollars down the road after they've already broken something or fallen multiple times um, and having to go to physical therapy over and over again, mm -hmm. what if take that a step back and have that knowledge prior to that. Yeah, I mean, it's really no different from how we approach MSDs and prevention mm -hmm. is that we ask people to take personal accountability for uh, overexertion injuries by building their strength, building up their, their tolerance, exercising, stretching. Um, you know, you can only do so much with, um, you know, the couch potato that goes and works hard all day and then goes home like, you know, you never want to say like, well, we expected this to happen, but we know that they're way higher risk for an overexertion MSD than someone who's physically fit doing the same job. So it's the same, the same thing goes with someone who works on their balance, trains their balance, exercises, builds strength. You know, if you compare the two 65-year-old workers and one who's sedentary, potentially overweight or has, you know, some 
background of maybe diabetes or peripheral neuropathy, they're at a much higher risk for falling. And so they may not be able to avoid that fraction of a difference in the stair height or the <laughs> cord running across the hallway or or just, you know, carrying a load from one point to another. So I think, like you said, is if we want to look at the big picture, we really do need to start tracking this as well as just MSDs and see how can we start preventing falls. And it's not going to be an overnight change. It would be something you would want to track long term over the course of several years working with a, an organization. But if we did have a specific screening protocol, what would that look like? Would it really mirror what the the study does for the older adult population? And we just apply that to anyone who sees us voluntarily. You know, do we screen new employees? I know that's something that you've been working on a little bit with KinetiSense is looking for some ways to maybe pick up some asymmetries or, or a lack of uh, strength from in one position or another to determine if, you know, the, what, what can we do to work on this? How can we add in that balance component and that fall prevention component and identify people and maybe give them home workouts to do just like we would do in any other clinic? Yeah, and I think with in the industrial setting, we have a time constraint on seeing each person, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think that's where KinetiSense is really beneficial because you can test strength, you can test motion, you can test balance all within, I can do it, 10 to 12 minutes. Um, and then have that last couple of minutes to talk, talk through what people need to work on. Um, and I think it comes back to each individual person we need to look at as a whole human being and all of their, uh, I mean, not just musculoskeletal, but mm-hmm. uh, balance and everything um, to be able to address them the best that we possibly can and try to reduce those, those injuries both inside of work and outside of work. I agree. I think this is a kind of a piece of the puzzle that maybe we're missing out on as athletic trainers or physical therapists uh, working in an industrial environment because you know, it's kind of trailing behind the research and what we know uh, to be true in the community setting. Uh, So certainly there's a gap in research, and I hope that catches up. But on an individual basis, kind of on a company level, you know, maybe this is a trend that we could start tracking. um, And, you know, what would our screening tool look like for those of us that don't have access to the KinetiSense? You know, how do we start screening that and tracking that trend? Uh, honestly, I really think it's a, it's a big appeal to a safety team. And mm-hmm. if we can identify workers at higher risk and provide some preventative measures and include some environmental hazard awareness campaigns as well, like that's a whole other piece of the pie that we're addressing for injury reduction. And it's another analytic to track. I just want to know, you know, is it feasible? I think for us it is. I think for uh, a lot of companies it's, you know, something that we could easily implement in just in the way that we do our early intervention services and do our proactive uh, time when we're kind of connecting with people out on the floor. It's another topic to be aware of. It could be the topic of a stand-up meeting or, you know, even some train-the-trainer content. So I think there's a lot of ways that we could incorporate this. Yeah, and I think I think the most important part of it is just the education piece, being able to talk about it openly with people. Um, I know a lot of the older folks that I've worked with before kind of get embarrassed about 
possible falls that they've had or think that it's their fault or that um, it shouldn't have happened. But I mean, it invariably at some point it's going to happen and let's, let's react properly to it and let's get a plan in place to, to either strengthen or um, get that mobility. Yeah, I I often get the the response of, well, I'm just clumsy. <laughs> I think that's mm. probably the most common yep. thing I hear. It's like, oh, I'm just clumsy. And they own that, and then that's just part of who they are. So, like, they don't think that there's any way around it. Like, I was born this way. And so we can tell them, mm-hmm. you know, you actually can change your, you know, clumsiness or improve your balance by practicing it just like anything else your body will adapt to the challenges that you impose on it yeah and my favorite way to do that is to basically stick them in a corner so that they have walls on both sides of them so they don't feel like they're at risk that they don't feel like they're gonna fall and go through that tandem stance go through the single leg stance um and then also with the eyes closed or an uneven surface um because we're not always going to be walking on flat concrete floor there there might be times where we're on gravel or um, a dirt path so we need to we need to come up with those unstable situations and be able to have them adjust to it yeah for sure and i think practicing some things with their uh shoes off and shoes on would be valuable especially for the industrial athlete because we know the a lot of them wear pretty heavy work boots uh, or steel-toed shoes. And there was that one interesting article on firefighter boots and how um, their trailing limb with the heavier boot had a pretty significant decrease in clearance. And it also was correlated to the uh, their fatigue levels or the amount of time that they were performing that task or wearing those, those boots. So, mm-hmm. you know, trips are probably higher, uh, more likely at the end of the day, you know, when they're already a little bit tired. And if, but if they have the option to get a lighter shoe, maybe that's something that we can make them aware of. Or with the slip resistance of the the bottom of the shoe, if they're going to be working in an area where they are in contact with slippery surfaces, that, you know, that's something you can actually look at with a shoe or talk to your safety uh, professional on site and let them know like, hey, these are some shoes that have high ACOF ratings you know, you guys work on slippery floors. Maybe this is something that you could recommend uh, to your workers. Yeah, and a lot of times the the factory or the setting will have trucks that come out to the actual facility. So if we can get some of those higher rated shoes already available on that truck, that would be beneficial for the workers too. So they don't have to go out and seek it outside. Yeah, yeah. yep. So... Let's wrap this up with talking about what are some of your favorite or go-to balance exercises? Okay, so some of my favorite ones. So in the outpatient clinic, we actually use um, a ladder quite a bit um, and incorporated uh, a second task. And so by ladder, this, you're talking about an agility ladder on the floor, uh, not a <laughs> ladder. Correct. Agility <laughs> ladder on the floor. Yeah. Um, and having them do another task. So this would replicate really well into the industrial setting because it's hardly ever we're just they're just walking across the floor. Usually they have something in their hands or they have to talk to somebody. There's multiple things going on. Um, so 
having them purposely plant their feet and know where exactly their feet are while they're doing another task um, is really helpful um, in helping with that balance recovery um, aspect of it. Like I talked about in the corner, having unstable surface or eyes closed, um, doing single leg or tandem. Um, And then like you talked about in the webinar, strengthening is a key aspect. So getting that proper squat motion and being able to have somebody stand up out of a chair without using their arms or using very little arms if they're using all arms right now, just so that they have more body awareness too. And then also testing if they can get outside of their um, their center of gravity and be able to recover from that. So shifting the weight forward. So this is where Tai Chi, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. really comes in handy. So we use this in the outpatient setting a lot, specifically in cardiac rehab. That was a great test because they would do it for 12 to 30. And so being able to see them progress from fumbling around the first couple of weeks trying to maintain their balance while they're shifting their weight all the way over their front foot, being able to then see them towards the end of that 12 to 36 weeks, that's when you see that the, the recovery and just being able to re-grasp that center of gravity once you move that from that motion. So Yeah. And you cut out just for a second, it's probably my connection, but you said they would do it for 12 to to 36 weeks 12 to 36 weeks yeah and that was another big takeaway too was you know adequate dosing of exercises um looking at uh i think it was a systematic review that said that you needed at least 50 hours of training time to see significant improvements and that's a lot um so like how can we incorporate some of these things into daily activities that's where mm-hmm. I think, you know, whatever we can do with designing a pre-shift warm-up that incorporates a little bit of balance. And you don't have to sneak it in as far as like, okay, and now we're all going to stand on one leg. But doing things like lunges, squats, um, you know, maybe doing a little bit of like marching. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. those things are dynamic balance activities. They just, for a lot of people, aren't that challenging but they are pretty challenging for some of the population and for maybe some of the older workers mm-hmm. to do. So incorporating those into the day, I always like to um, encourage people to p- try standing on one foot while they brush their teeth. Um, yep. You know, one minute on each side, you're at a counter, you're, you're kind of dual tasking <laughs> naturally. Uh, and that's a, a good way to kind of work that in. Or doing some like the heel raises at while you brush your teeth, heel raises, and then do that kind of shift back to where you lift your toes, that rocking motion. That was part of that one study that showed some some good carryover to like the tug and the functional reach. Um, yep. Another one of my favorites that I think is was always entertaining for people was just you know standing either feet together, eyes closed, or tandem, depending on their what level they're at. But then kind of coming at them and giving them little taps on the shoulders or a little push from behind that was a bit unexpected. Uh, yep. People always have fun with it. It's engaging and uh, challenge them in a way that's more of that reactive side versus just yep. the planned out dynamic balance. You know, how do they put their foot down? You know, maybe they have a tendency to do like more of a crossover step or, you know, what's their ability to kind of sway a certain amount before they step and 
Anyways, just give some feedback on that too. Yeah, and I also like to have people, if they're doing the motions already, so normally we sit down to eat. Well, make that a purposeful stand up. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're using your legs and your correct muscles to actually stand up um, when you're already doing those tasks. Make it purposeful. Yeah. Or if you're bending over to get something, use it as a lunge or any number of things. If you're already doing it, make it purposeful. Yeah. That's some great feedback and a good way to incorporate it into daily life. I like it. Well, anything else you want to add to this conversation? Do you, do you see this something that we can feasibly or that's feasible to incorporate into our kind of industrial initiatives for injury prevention? I, th- I think it is. I think it's going to take a little bit of work and be purposeful with some of our um, some of our assessments or exercises that we give or just talking about it with the associates or the workers, having that conversation, um, bringing awareness to it. I think, like we were talking before, it is a big picture thing, and we need to change healthcare. And if we can reduce falls, that is a win in all aspects mm-hmm. of a person's life, not just in, <laughs> in the work setting. But I think it is a, it's an important step to take. And I think it can be as simple as just asking that one question is, have you fallen in the past? Maybe, you know, not falling off their skateboard when they were 16. But, you know, we can start screening, yeah. you know, and try to understand if maybe there's an indication that we should go to the next level and start having that conversation. But I think as at the very least, that's a very easy question to ask. You know, that takes yep. about five seconds. Um, and then you can kind of direct your care from there. But uh, without a doubt, I think we should be asking that question to just about anybody that comes in to see us, especially the older workers. Agreed. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your input. We'll, uh, we'll see kind of where we can go with this. And obviously, if anybody else has input, we always like to hear that too. So add some comments to the discussion forum on Learn Right Northwest and uh, we'll uh, see what you guys have to say. Thank you for having me on.